Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you and enjoy the message. Today, what? The book of Bereshit, we finish the beginning. So at the end of every reading, we conclude with those words. Chazak, chazak, be strong, be strong. Venit chazek, the future, and be strengthened. So everybody say it together. Chazak, chazak, venit chazek. Chazak, chazak, venit chazek. Chazak, chazak, venit chazek. Now you're ready to move on to the Exodus. But before we do that, let's take some time here as we approach the end of the year, beginnings and endings. You know, it is the end of the Gregorian year. It's the end of Genesis. It's kind of the end of the patriarchs in terms of not literally, but it's the end of their story. And it's, it's the end of Jacob because we're hearing in this week's portion by Yehi about his passing. We also hear about Joseph's passing. But it's also very much the beginning because you certainly hope that the end of something has a beginning of something else. It is, God willing, for all of us, the beginning of the new year. It's the beginning of a new book of Torah. It's the beginning, really, of Israel. We're getting ready to see and move from the story of the family into the nation of Israel. So Israel, in next week's Parsha, Shemot, will be born. Um, And really, thanks to what I want to share with you today from Jacob, it's a new perspective, or at least it's a perspective that we sometimes need to be reminded of. And we're going to do that through this story that takes place this week in the book of Bereshit, in our Torah portion, Vayichi, in chapter 48. And Jacob is old and his eyes are dim and he's sick or not sick but he's going to die and he says to Joseph Israel saw Joseph's sons and he said who are these and Joseph said to his father they are my sons whom God has given me here he said bring them to me if you please and I will bless them now Israel's eyes were heavy with age he could not see so he brought them near and he kissed them and hugged them Israel said to Joseph, I dared not accept the thought I would see your face and hear, God has shown me, even your offspring. Joseph then removed them from his knees and he prostrated himself with his face toward the ground. Joseph took the two of them, Ephraim with his right hand to Israel's left and Manasseh with his left to Israel's right. And he drew close to him. But Israel extended his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head. 
He maneuvered his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. He blessed Joseph, and he said, O God, before whom my forefathers Abraham and Isaac walked, God who shepherds me from my inception until this day, may the angel who redeems me from all evil bless the lads. And may my name be declared upon them, and the names of my forefathers Abraham, Isaac, and may they proliferate abundantly like fish within the land. Joseph saw what his father was that his father was placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, and it displeased him. So he supported his father's hand to remove it from upon Ephraim's head to Menashe's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, father, for the firstborn, for this is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused, saying, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Yet his younger brother shall become greater than he, and his offspring's fame shall fill the nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you shall Israel bless, saying, Yisimcha Elohim, ke Ephraim vichi Menashe. And he put Ephraim before Menashe. That's a lot of detail. Uh, and there's some confusion that's going on there, and that confusion is never really, really explained. I mean, he says, he gives them an answer, and he says, I know, just don't worry about it. This is how we're doing it. But there's not really a great answer given to that. And, and my question is, Jacob, okay? What's the deal with the younger superseding? Haven't you learned anything yet? Esau, that didn't go well. Leah and Rachel, that didn't go well. Favoring your younger son over the older sons, that didn't go well. Why would you do that? And that's why I am entitling this sermon, this teaching, Dad, you're doing it wrong. Because I've heard that many times when I know good and well that I'm doing it right. So there's an important second part of that that I'll add. Dad, you're doing it wrong. Joseph's confusion meets Jacob's clarity. Okay? Jacob knew. He says, I know, son. There is a traditional answer given. Actually, there are several traditional answers, of course, given because spent 3,500 years studying the Torah. You come up with more than one answer. But one of them is primarily that Jacob, patriarch, father of the 12, had a very prophetic insight that was given to him by God. And he knew that from Ephraim would come the one who would lead Israel into the promised land. Who is that? Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim. So that's the, that's the traditional answer given, and, and that's okay. And, and, and we know that this happened because his father refused saying, I know my son, I know. He too will become a great people and he too will become great. Manasseh. Yet his younger brother shall become greater than he and his offspring's name will fill the nations. And Joshua is to say the least, quite famous among the nations. However, 
Jonathan Sachs comes up with something nice, which is actually, if we say this in a Talmudic way, we should say, Rabbi Sachs said in the name of Rabbi Schneerson, who said that it actually has to do more with their names than anything else. And so, does anyone know what the name Menashe means? It comes from the, from the Hebrew Nashe. Forgot. Anyone know what Ephraim means? Comes from the Hebrew Farah or Farah, fruit. And so we read, we have to, we actually have to go back to Miketz to figure this out. Because in Miketz chapter 41, I mean in uh, Bereshit, Parsha Miketz, chapter 41, verse 50 and following. Now to Joseph were born two sons. When the year of famine had not set in, whom Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, chief of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's household. That's important. Pay attention to that. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. That's important. Pay attention to that. So, Sachs, sort of in the name of Schneerson, goes on to say that each of those names, each of those choice of names represented a place that Joseph was in at the particular time. And it was important because Joseph <clears throat> says, I've forgotten. Thank you, God, you've made me forget everything. And yet you've made me fruitful. And so ultimately it comes around through this really awesome thing that snacks. snacks. That's, a, that's Rabbi Schneerson and Rabbi Sachs's grandson, Rabbi Snacks. They, they come around and say, we can't forget where we come from. <clears throat> it's important to actually remember. And I'm not going to go into all that because that's not actually what I want to talk about. It's a really good conclusion though. But I want to take it in a different direction. Based on that, my own midrash, and which is my favorite thing to do, is to make up things based on the text. And that's okay because that's been working also for 3,500 years. Right? So here's the deal. <clears throat> These are, this is the basis of this confusing thing. Their names is what is at work here. Why? Because it is true. Jacob, Joseph's mental state has a lot to do with why these names are chosen at the particular times that they are. These names are anchors for Joseph. Now, when Manasseh, the firstborn is born. His name is, thank you God, I've forgotten everything. Forgotten every bad thing. Now listen, let's look at where Joseph was mentally, uh, uh, in, in the natural. He's second in command. He's married very well. She may be an a Egyptian priest's daughter, but she's probably very well connected, a lot of money. He doesn't even need it because he's the second best. He's got kids, or a kid. So literally, 
God has now made him fruitful in this land. Money, children, position, everything. So why is the first kid named Manasseh instead of being named Ephraim? Why is he not fruitful now? Because that's not where his mind was. Joseph is in the place of saying, I've arrived. I've arrived. I I did it. God, and always God was first with Joseph. There's no questioning that. God, you've allowed me to arrive. And I've forgotten everything. That's important. I don't want to remember. I come from bad. A lot of bad stuff happened. I don't want that. And God, thankfully, ah, I've forgotten it. I've forgotten my father's house. I've forgotten the things that happened to me there. But did he? Sack says you never should. I agree. I'll tell you why. But had he, had he really forgotten? No. How do we know? Let's look at what he named his next son. Now Ephraim comes along and he is fruitful. And he says, I am fruitful. You've made me that way. But in the land of my suffering, in the land of my affliction, why? Why that part? Just be fruitful and be happy. No. Different anchor. Different anchor. God, you've done it. But I actually haven't forgotten all the hell I've been through. But you've still found a way to make me happy in the land of my suffering. Very different transition. You ever had one of these things? See, Jacob doesn't forget, but his focus shifts. Have you ever had a... a, awakening, a consciousness alert, a paradigm shift where you see something and realize, oh, I need, I need to change the way I look at that. If you haven't, I certainly would recommend you do. Those are good things when they happen usually. Usually. So Jacob has this paradigm shift that takes place for him. A change of perspective. Bad stuff did happen here. And uh, Joseph, I'm sorry, all these J's, man, it's complicated. Joseph has a paradigm shift. Bad stuff has happened. I wanted to forget it, but I actually haven't or can't forget it. But yet, I am fruitful. I can be happy no matter where I am because this is the thing I control. This is what I'm in charge of. My perspective. And here's what I actually think this means. Thank you, God. You've helped me forget. No. You've helped me Forgive, actually. You've helped me forgive because actually this is Jacob's story as well. This is his dad's story in a big sense. Jacob's life was not easy, was it? Of course it wasn't. And so now Jacob sits here and he has his grandsons before him. He has the son that he thought he'd never see again and his grandsons and he's praising God for it. And so he recognizes the good. He sees the fruit. But Jacob is no optimist. 
all the time. We can read that in 47 where he says to Pharaoh, my life basically has stunk. That's what he says. He says, and you know, I'm not going to live as long as my father's. My life has been hard. Nothing's been easy for me. However, in front of me, I see the fruit. I haven't forgotten, but I have forgiven. Because you can't move forward without that, and that's not what this message is about. That's for Elul, okay? That you can't move forward without forgiveness and all those things, and you know the story, so I'm not going to tell you. If you have something that you're holding against somebody, you need to let it go. You need to let it go. Oh, that's a Megan Trainer song. I'm not going <clears> to. <throat> but here's the point: forgive and forget. I don't believe it. I don't believe in it. You heathen rabbi. That's what. That's not what you're supposed to tell us. I'm going to tell you the truth always. Forgive, yes. Forget, it's not that easy. And as a matter of fact, and I've said this before, if you go through struggles and someone hurts you or something bad happens and you are taught something through this thing, then to act like it never happened and just say, I've forgotten it all, I'm blocked, I can't remember it. That's stupid. You're supposed to learn from the difficulties lest you are destined to repeat them, right? So I, I absolutely and firmly believe that the statement you've caused me to forget everything is not really what he means. I think he means you've caused me to forgive the things that have happened. But I remember them. Hence, you've made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And I'm thankful to you, God, for that because you help me through anything and everything. <clears throat> and so... Actually, this, I didn't steal this whole message from Jonathan Sachs, just one little part of it, but I do want to make this point. He makes a very good point that if, if the point I just made, that is if, if we forget what got us to a place, that's really bad. If you forget how you got to a bad place, that's really bad because... You'll end up there again. And as a matter of fact, the, the commentators through the ages, that's one of the things they celebrate about Joseph and his sons, is that even in this bad place, Joseph and his sons, even in this bad place, he did not forget who he was. He, he, he didn't, certainly did not forget his father or his father's house. Thus, when his father was there, he could bring his sons before them, not as Egyptian idolaters, but as Jacob's grandsons, and say, your blessing means something, Dad. I've raised these boys in the way that they should be raised. Bless them for me. And Jacob does. He didn't forget where he came from. And so that's, that's, a, that's a big 
part of, of Sack's thing. But my, my point is this. My point is that it's always, always more important to start by remembering the good than forgetting the past. Because it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to forget the past. Now, Yeshua confirms for us that we are going to have difficulty in this life, yes? He says it verbatim. In this life, you'll have trouble. Then he says, they'll hate you on account of me. Brother will turn against brother. They'll throw you out of the synagogue. If they don't accept you when you come in, wipe the dust off your feet and keep going. You know, and the Son of Man must suffer. Dude, this guy's negative. No, he's real. He's a realist. That's what life looks like. But what we really love is the end of that thing, right? The end of that little section where he says, it's only those things. In this life, you will have trouble. But, some, but, but paraphrasing, fear not. What? I have overcome the world. We like that part. In Yeshua, God has made us very fruitful. He's given us the opportunity to produce fruit. Not that you can't produce fruit without Yeshua. There are many, many, many Jewish people who don't know Yeshua as Messiah who produce a lot of fruit. There are secular people who produce a lot of fruit. I'm not saying that you can only produce fruit through Yeshua. However, when you have Yeshua, you are given a, a, a whole new helping of the ability to produce fruit. And to a certain degree, degree, He has also given us the ability to forget, if you will, our trouble. We're not that anymore. We might have been, but we're not that anymore, thanks to you, Yeshua, for what you've done and the work. But how many of you ever have a moment, even just one tiny one in the history of your life since you became a follower of Yeshua, that you think about who you were? Anyone? I never do. I mean, I just, I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror as I'm getting ready and say, thank you, God, that I'm perfect and always have been. <laughs> Not. Not. I often think back to those things. And I know Joseph did even though he said he had forgotten. As a matter of fact, I would say, how much sweeter is the fruit that we have in Yeshua? Knowing sometimes where we came from, that makes the journey all the sweeter. That makes the blessing all the richer. And we don't, but the thing is, we don't ever stay there. You know those people. Hey man, how are you? I'm good because of him. Well, that's true. That's, that's good to know. Because I'm just a piece of garbage. I'm just a dirty old rotten nasty sinner. I stink, but Jesus is good. I don't actually think that's a healthy perspective for a disciple of Yeshua to have. I think Yeshua made you excellent. You have the capability to be not excellent, but He has given you this, this ability to excel in Him. but I still remember who I was. And it actually informs 
who I am today. That perspective has given me uh, uh, also even an ability to relate with people because of who I was. But Jacob now switching gears, okay? That's the whole thing about Joseph's anchors, Joseph's names of his kids, why, what it means, who Joseph was, what he was really thinking, at least in my opinion. Jacob has a statement through action. Jacob has the thing that you need to hear for the beginning of this year coming up. These kids stand before Jacob, even though they're correctly arranged and strategically in the right place. Kelly, sit here for one second next to Linda, please. Actually, Linda will be Jacob. Jerry, can you come here for a second? Now listen. No, I want you to stand. Here's Jacob. This is an egalitarian community here. This is Jacob. This is Jacob. This is who? I want you to be Menashe. Okay? I want you to be Menashe. And I want you to be Ephraim. And so here's Joseph, right? Joseph is standing with his sons. And this, the text is very clear about how he arranges his sons, right? How does he do it? He takes his hand and his hand, and gently he moves them in front of his father. Now, Jacob, you'll stand up, okay? Now, I'm Joseph. Notice where my right hand is. Jerry, who are you? Ephraim. You're Ephraim. You're Ephraim. Notice where my, my hand is. Now, Jacob, do your hands the proper way to bless. Now, this would be the right way, but what does Jacob actually do? Right. So, right hand and right hand on the younger. Joseph inadvertently brings the right hand blessing on his younger son as he places, sorry, as he places him before Jacob. Right? Thank you. That was great. Good job. Now, that's a side note. Joseph's already come. Why is the right hand important? It just is. That's all you're going to know for now. It just is. It's the hand of blessing. So there he is. And Jacob stands up and he says, Ha! And Joseph says, Dad, you're doing it wrong. And he says, No, I'm not. Trust me. Sit down. I have clarity where you have confusion. Forgive and forget Menashe. Yeah, you should do that at any given opportunity. You should always forgive. And God willing, God willing you forget every bad thing that ever happened in your life. Forgive and forget. That's good. I have forgotten Menashe, right? Nashe. I've forgotten all the troubles I've had, right? But Ephraim... Happiness is found in the fruit. Happiness is found focusing first on the fruit. Not the forgotten. 
not the past, not the things you can't get rid of. You may have thought that it was, uh, you may have thought it was horrible, you may have thought it was bad, but all those things that you tried to forget have brought you to where you are to bear the fruit that you're bearing before me. And Jacob's Jacob's life was also a similar story. So when we bless our kids on Shabbat, our boys, when we go and we lay hands on them and we say, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. It's perfect. It's what every parent wants for their kid. We want to bless them. What's really in a blessing? For me, as an overprotective Jewish parent, that means, oh Lord, keep keep them away from harm. (laughs) What it means is bless them, God, but what's really behind it? Every parent knows that their kid is going to face difficulties. We have, Yeshua said we would, every hero we have in the Bible has difficulties and trials. We're saying, may God make you recognize first the fruit and the good. And even in those difficult situations that you would prefer to forget, God is with you. And so Jacob says, I know, Joseph, I know what you think, but let me tell you how it really is. I want you to see, and I want these boys to see. Look at my life, look at your life, and look at what their life will be. Focus first on the fruit. Oh yeah, and Manasseh. No, just kidding. That's important too. Because your past matters. But frame it in the fruit. With me? Sons. In my case, son. May God help you to see first the fruit, even in the difficult times. First, first may you be like Ephraim. And may God make you fruitful. And may He make you like Menashe, that you are able to forgive and to a degree forget, but knowing that the trials produce fruit. And here's the last thing I'll say from Sachs because it's worth repeating this week's commentary. The great truth about the role of time in our lives is that we live life forwards, but we understand it only looking back. So, in the words of the Shabbat blessing to the boys, and in the words of Patriarch Yaakov, who's taught us so much over the last few weeks in the Torah portion, I would say to you guys, may God make you like Ephraim and Menashe. Shabbat Shalom.